Broadcasting from behind the Second Amendment Iron Curtain in the shadows of the New York City skyline, this is Gun For Hire Radio, the voice of one million New Jersey gun owners, with your hosts, Sandy Berardi and Master Firearms Trainer, Anthony Calandra. Live from the land that's freedom for God, the most listened to Second Amendment broadcast in the nation. Welcome to it. This is show 589, and uh, you'll see by the teaser, I held up a gift that Jay Factor had given to me and Sandy. He gave us two books and uh, two framed uh, prints from Gun For Hire Radio, which I'm going to be uh, posting in the range for everybody to see. But uh, we have a, there's a lot going on in, in New Jersey right now with the, with the carry permits, and some judges are signing them and pushing them through like shit through goose. I had a judge the other day deny somebody because they ask on the mental health form, if you haven't lived in your address for more than 10 years, list the other addresses. The guy lived in New Jersey for seven, Florida for the previous three. The judge denied him for lying on his paperwork. The guy emailed me, says it seems insignificant. I said, but you lied. <laughs> Any excuse. Why yeah. would you? I said to him, right. why didn't you put the second address? You know what he said to me? He goes, I, I, know, I was lazy. Okay, oh, well, you go. now you got to appeal it, right? Whatever, I, whatever. But there's so much going on, and there's so much clarification needed. So without further ado, a plaintiff, a 2A activist, and our Second Amendment historian, which I think uh, Rosie might have given him that moniker, without further ado, Jay Factor, welcome to show 589. Let's roll, brother. I am happy to be back. You yes. know, it's interesting that you were talking about lying on your application. I just filled out my FARS application <laughs> for a permit to purchase uh, over the weekend to get two new um, handgun permits. And I have to write in there that I was denied a, yep. a handgun permit twice <laughs> in in my FARS, which is funny post-Broom because I, got, I was denied for lack of justifiable need. But I have to write that in there. Yep. Yeah. So yep, it's kind of sucks. Um, I'm hoping I'm hoping that we can just keep bouncing stuff off each other. But before we start, I just want to uh, I want to thank CNJFO for sponsoring this case. And I'm not so sure if everybody knows how CNJ and CNJFO got involved in this, but those guys those guys have been sponsoring cases left and right over the over the last couple of years. I know, um, I know NGRPC and FPC are involved in a, in a case and CNJ, CNJFO is involved in that. But just to tell you how this thing started out, when the Cheeseman case ends um, in 2018, when they don't grant cert to Cheeseman, they don't get grant cert to Rogers, they don't grant cert in the Massachusetts case, but there, there's like six or seven, eight, eight Second Amendment cases in there, and nobody gets granted cert. And uh, Mark calls, Mark Cheeseman calls me on the phone, and he's like, well, what are we going to do now? And so we need, obviously, we need a plaintiff. So that's, that's really how I got here was we just needed a guy to keep the case-by-case determination argument to take down the Sicardi rule going, going forward. And and I applied. Um, so when I'm shot down in the New Jersey Court of Appeals six days before Bruin, hmm. so to put that yeah. in another to put that in another 
perspective, I applied for my permit in September of 2020. I make it all the way to Bruin, right? We did that last show a month or two ago before Bruin. Yep. And the, the appeals court denies me six days. So I make it I make it almost two years and I finally could get my permit if Bruin comes out and then six days earlier they deny it. So now I have to go to the New Jersey Supreme Court. And the problem is I'm getting I'm getting beat up. I'm beat up on everything. You guys have seen the post where how many different times I've had to print the files out and how many times they send stuff back to me. I mean, they they will literally this is the appeals court. This is Joseph Orlando in appeals court. They are brutal on pro yep. se applicants. Um I called David Jensen and I ran it by Jensen. Jensen was very hesitant to take the case, not because he didn't like the case, but because the amount of money that I had on hand was minimal. And I I sent a, a simple text message to Teresa Inneker and said, hey, um, do you guys think that you could be you could be the point of donation for donations for this case and I'll tell you why so one of the things I don't think people understand when you apply for a carry permit and 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 this is before Bruin and I think it's still happening now when they get the prosecutor involved that prosecutor is not just looking through uh, criminal history databases that prosecutor is getting is somehow getting to every single New Jersey state government agency and running you through that agency. Yeah, that's a fact, Jay, because I've had so far since this all started, I've had 11 people so far that had FID cards and pistols and have been denied, and a couple of them have been uh, red flagged and they've had their guns confiscated because of stuff that happened 30, 40 years ago but never came up when they did their FID card and pistol permits up until a month before they applied for a carry permit. They're, they're overly scrutinizing everything, which is something we'll talk about, but continue. I wanted to add that. I want you, everybody listening to know that. You better make sure you're crystal clear oh, before yeah. you put in your application. So, so, Sandy, think think back to when the first time you ever meet Mark and I in 2016, the first time you and Anthony have us on the show. Mark tells you guys a story about the dog catcher's license. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. The if if uh, Anthony, when you run your business, all the time you you get in the mail these little they look like postcards. Some are yellow, some are light blue, some are red. And it's the state of New Jersey asking you for some kind of money for some kind of fund, right? The, mm -hmm. uh, we need ten, we need ten dollars per employee for this fund. We need fifteen dollars per employee for this. We need two dollars for for each employee for this, right? And you you're constantly sending those checks in for all your people. Correct. Correct. I I I applied for my pers my first permit in two thousand six. Um, they go into my bank account and take out $8,000 and say that there was a problem with my, my company tax returns in 1997 or some ridiculous nonsense. And I'm like, you got, you know, you got to be kidding me. This is like 10 years later. And my, my lawyer and my accountant are like, listen, you're never going to get that money back. You can't fight this. Just yeah, that's it. Right. That's it. Okay. So 
when I when I apply, just to make a long story short, when I apply for the cheese, or, or when Cheeseman's involved in his case, and I'm the guy writing his briefs, I'm actually my name is on those briefs. They come in and take more money out of my bank account for something else this time. And yeah, this is not, this is not a joke, man. This is a lot of money. I'm 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 in twenty three thousand dollars or in two in two permit applications. Oh my god! And uh, the third time around, and I don't want to get too into it, but if you have a license from the state, the, expect expect a random surprise inspection from that state agency because wow. when you when you apply for a permit. They are going to do everything that they can to show you the government is in charge that they did not want you to have this permit. 100%. So that leads us back to CNJFO. I sent Teresa a message because, um, you know, all the people, all the people who are, have been following your show for the last two or three years, actually it's longer than that now, know about the Cheeseman case. Um, Mark shut down that GoFundMe page for the Cheeseman case after uh kyle rittenhouse he was unhappy with gofundme and yep because they took they stole people's money they took it back they they, they, they captured right, the money right and so Correct. there is no way now for us to raise money i tried to link a pay site um to paypal and paypal w- wanted nothing to do with um with um a gun fund raising money for for a court case and i i couldn't do that so when I call Teresa, I'm just looking for Teresa to, to handle the, the donations because I talked to a couple lawyers about setting a 501c3 charity up or, you know, a, a charity, uh, a non-profit. A not-for-profit. A, a not-for-profit yeah. up. And it's like, you know, yeah. these guys want $20,000 to yeah. set up a non-profit. I, I don't mm-hmm. have $20,000. It's a, a small court case. So when I text, when I text Teresa... Literally, CNJ get CNJFO, and you, you know Jack Piles over there, right? And and, and Rosie's oh, yeah. over there. She's she's like, I gotta I gotta run it by the board. They get back to me in 24 hours. Not only are they going to accept the donations, but they are matching five thousand dollars of the donations. That is unbelievable. That these guys, with a text message and 24 hours, said, you know what, Jay, we're going to stand behind this case. This case is so important for our members and for the people of New Jersey that not only are we going to do it, but we're going to do it and we're going to match $5,000 of it. It's huge, huge for everybody. Um, and so, for me, just just to finish before you get in, for me, sure. I don't have to worry about uh, the division of taxation coming after me and going, yep. hey, hey, you raised $21,000. You, you owe all these taxes on that money that you, that you raised to give to David Jensen. Like, I just can't have those problems in my life. So to have CNJFO who's going to take the donations, I never need to touch this money. David Jensen turns in an invoice, it goes right to CNJFO, CNJFO cuts the check, and I don't have to worry about you know somebody going into my bank account and taking money out again for the third time now. And you know, Jay, so I get this email, uh, James Lakey is a member here, and he wrote, I'm sorry to bother you, I know you're busy, but I'm reaching out to you if you had any idea how to get people involved. You must be so frustrated doing the heavy lifting and then reading everyone's complaints about rights being infringed and sue, sue this one and sue the, that one, yet most people don't give 20 cent to fund the lawsuit. He goes, seeing the CNJFO post on New Jersey Firearms Syndicate pissed me off. 
There's 5,100 members in that group alone, and CNJFO only raised $4,800. That's 94 cents for each if they all contributed. If everyone just in the syndicate donated $20, it would be over $100,000. Imagine if everyone in those Facebook groups who bitched about our rights donated $20 damn dollars, okay? And he goes on and on, and James, I agree. Listen, everybody, you're listening to this show, cnjfo.com. Go on it. You can get info on Teresa's thing we'll talk about later. But click the donate link and donate some money to this case. So without further ado, James, thank you for the input. And, Jay, let's start talking about your case and your PDFs, my brother. Okay. The PDFs, I think, are going to be super important here because the way that I'm seeing and hearing everything, people are super, super frustrated, right? Like oh, yeah. there, There are guys who can't even turn their application in because the police departments aren't taking it. There are guys who are turning their application in and they it, it's not leaving the police department inside of 60 days. There are guys who have made it to court, but the court clerk is not logging the case in and they have no idea where they stand in line or when this thing is going to be heard by a judge. Uh, and, and that would be that would be the first three major complaints that I hear from everybody is that yep. there is no standard, right? Now, there are, there are some towns who are turning these things over inside of 14 days, and there are some counties who are getting these permits out in two weeks. And, and what that proves is, and this is, this is, I think, this is what's so damning for the state of New Jersey. The whole reason the gun control law was held constitutional was because there was a, a standard, and it was, if, if you go back to that 1968 Burton v. Sills case, it was, it was called nar narrowly tailored standard. And that there wasn't going to be a whole bunch of deviations between police chiefs deciding permits, that there was a certain way that it had to be done. And I think today there is a certain way that it had, has to be done, except there's so many, there's so many chefs in the soup that nobody really knows what to do, which is why mm -hmm. these, which is why these memos are important. But the way that I'm, the way that I've been looking at the law, and and you have to look at this law starting in 1924. Like we, like at the last show that I was on, we, we talked about um, Henry Hirschfeld's bill in 1924 yep. designed yep. to prevent criminals from carrying guns, <laughs> and then the 1933 uh, bill uh, by Fred Fort to put fingerprints in. And the SBI check after they found out Waxy Gordon was issued a permit <laughs> right, from the right, right. right? Yep. And so, if you read this thing as a whole, the way it's supposed to be designed is in two C fifty eight dash three. I I think it's it's F. It's either F or C. It makes no difference. In two C fifty eight dash three, there are standards. It's one through eleven. Uh, you, you you can't have domestic violence. You can't be an alcoholic. You can't have overthrow advocated overthrowing the government. There's eleven enumerated standards that disqualify you. If you go to two C fifty eight dash four, they're not allowed to approve your permit, the chief or the judge to issue it if you don't make if you don't meet the qualifications of two C fifty eight dash three, those enumerated items one through eleven. So one of the problems that's happened like from 1924 and we can even go we can even go 40 years ago from the 1966 
um, A-165 bill that became our gun control law today. When Sills designs that, he doesn't rewrite the 1924 law. All he did was take out concealed. And those guys really had no idea what was going to happen there because no one had ever done what we're doing. And which is, which is, I think, is something if you're, if you're listening with a, a pen and a piece of paper, you should write it down because if they didn't start this until 1966, it certainly wasn't happening at the time of the founding, which are those, is that sentence that's so critical in, in Heller and right. so critical in Bruin, right? But the way it's designed... Remember, in 24, there is no FID card. There is no permit to purchase. So when, you know, there is confusion because 2C58-4 has three references. The 2C58-3 has two references. That's just simple oversight. They didn't have fingerprints back in 24. The only way the government could find out who you were was through those references. Now, today, you've already been vetted. If you have the FID card, which, as we all know, you have to have the FID card to get the carry permit. If you've got that SBI number in the lower left-hand corner of your FID card, you've already been vetted. So the whole, this whole investigation, this whole uh, contacting your references again, this whole notary thing, this is, this is all fluff. Oh, shit. It, yeah. Okay, yeah. I didn't want to use that word, Horseshit. but that, that's exactly what it is because the guys today in 2022 don't understand how, what the law was written for in 1924. They don't understand why Sills took concealed out of the permit in 1966, and Sills admitted it. When he's in the Dodd hearings, he admits the only reason that he did it was because he needed to get a set of fingerprints on every gun in New Jersey. And, and if he had the FID card and he had the permit to purchase, in 1966 you could still go to Maryland and buy a handgun and drive back to New Jersey. But, the, but they couldn't do anything because there was no retroactive permit. Remember, in those days, not every handgun had a serial number on it. They didn't know when you bought that gun in Maryland. So if you were walking around carrying openly in New Jersey in 1966 with a, with a handgun that you bought in Maryland, there was nothing they could do. Absolutely nothing. Because it was a concealed carry law. And the New Jersey Supreme Court said the only, the only reason that, that you've broken the law is if you have your handgun is concealed and you didn't get a concealed carry permit. But there was a case in Patterson where a businessman, and this is a like this is uh, Anthony. This is one of your customers, okay? So you know all the guys. I've seen you before in there. The way that you talk to your customers, you know every single person that's a member at that range, and you know what that guy does for a living. This guy goes down to the Patterson police chief and applies for a carry permit because he's a businessman, and Patterson was one of the first back in back in the '60s to start curtailing issuing handgun permits and the patterson police chief says you can't have it you don't need it and the guy's like are you you have to be kidding and the chief's nope you can't have it so the guy goes home puts on a leather ornamental double holster like a western cowboy action holster and puts two single action cowboy revolvers in it and goes walking (laughs) down main street in patterson and people are like freaking out because here's a cowboy walking down Main Street in Patterson and they call the cops. And the cops show up and they arrest the guy. And the cops don't know what to do with him. 
So they call they call Sills, who's the attorney general, and Sills Sills gets involved, and he goes, "You got to let him go. There's absolutely nothing we can do. He's open carrying. The law is only for concealed carry." There's a case. There was a case uh, early on. I don't know if it's the 20s or the 30s. It's called Gratz, G-R-A-T-Z. But Gratz laid the groundwork for. It's not. It's not illegal to carry openly. When Sills changes that in 66, all he wants is the fingerprint. The fingerprints. He explains it in the A165 debate. He's not trying to curtail permits. He just wants the background check on every single person. So fast forward to 2022, right? Any one of your customers, any one of these people on New Jersey Firearms Owners Syndicate that's all upset, all, they have the FID card. They have the permit to purchase. You know most of them. A lot of them are coming in and buying guns at Gun for Hire. They've already been vetted by the original fingerprints, right? And and what is that? $53, $54. It got to go to Identico. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then there's the whole background check that goes with that. And then let's just say let's just say they didn't get their, their handgun on the day they got their FID, but they decided, oh, my, oh uh, Bruin came out. I, I, instead of having a full-size 1911, I better go get myself a mid-size gun. Maybe I'm going to look at a Glock 43X. And they go down to Gun for Hire, and they look at a Glock 43X, and, and they say, I'm going to buy this gun. I'm going to train with it. I'm going to take the class and get qualified with my 43X. I need a permit to purchase. In order to get that permit to purchase on the FAR system, they now have to pay $20 plus a $3 convenience fee for an SBI 212A check. That's the background check. That's the background check that they tell you you can get so you don't have to be fingerprinted again. <laughs> Your fingerprints have been done. Your background investigation has been done. The way, the way that this law was originally designed in 24 again in 33 with the Fred Fort amendments, and then again in 1966 with Sills was, if you've got the FID card, then you qualify for the permit to carry. So in essence, and and we'll talk about training in a minute, but in essence, all you have to do is go take your class, right, and have your Mm -hmm. your NRA qualifications or whatever the police academy is accepting. You know, there's two or three different different things in the code about what you can do, right? One's the NRA course, one's a police... Police uh, and one's uh, use of force class. Right, right. So three different things. So all you have to do is turn that in, and you should be fast tracked to get your permit to carry. They don't. They don't need to call the attorney's general, attorney general's office. They don't need to call the prosecutor's office. The prosecutor, you could not, you could not go into two C fifty eight dash four and find a sentence in there that says the prosecutor is involved in handgun carry permits at the police chief level. You also could not find a sentence in 2C58-4 that said the prosecutor is involved after the police chief approves an application. The only time the prosecutor is involved in a 2C58-4 application is if your police chief denies denies the permit and you want to file in court for an appeal, it's the applicant's job to write a copy of the the hearing request letter that he's sending to the judge. The applicant has to send that to the prosecutor's office. So, on a the way the statute's worded, if you get approved, there is no reason for these courts to be sending your application to the prosecutor's office. So let's get to 
one of the forms that that we're gonna that you're gonna put the link up to okay so the first one we'll get to is 467 okay That's it's directive 67 go ahead okay if you if you listen to the last gun for hire show that radio show that I was on which is 575 I told you that the Sicardi rule was not was not technically designed by the assignment judges. It was a memorandum that was set out by the administrative office of the courts. The head of that office, his name was Edward B. McConnell. Edward B. McConnell is the guy that sends the memo out that basically said none of us can get carry permits for the last 40 years. This guy sends another memo out. And the memo is directed 467, so it's 1967. In the memo, it says, the attorney general requests that you notify the prosecutor on an appeal of the 2C58-4 permit. Yep. What, what, there's, there's, a, there's a Latin expression called expressio something or other that the courts know what it means it means if they if they specified one thing and left another thing out the other thing is not included so in this directive Ed, edward mcconnell specifying on appeals means they do not contact the prosecutor on an approved permit just if, just just if they deny it just yeah, if they deny that. it no reason for the no reason for the prosecutor to be in there and sandy like we're we're talking about the prosecutor's office, right? And we're laughing about Waxy Gordon a couple minutes ago. Right. But who was the guy that gave Waxy permit? Well, Waxy Gordon his permit. It was the prosecutor's office. Right. It, was, it was Jonas Tuman, right. and he and he sent a guy named Harry Harry P. Crook, the investigator, <laughs> to tell all the police chiefs the prosecutor was going to handle the permits. It, the prosecutor is the reason that we have all the problems today. Why would we put the prosecutor back into the mix? So now no one's responsible for approving or denying. It's just the prosecutor can decide. So Directive 467 is critical, right? And I think what's going to happen on Syndicate is that there will be a form letter that goes on that people can copy so you don't have to write it yourself. But when you contact the court... You know, and you're telling the judge, hey, I, I need my hearing. I don't know why we're, we're waiting for the prosecutor's office. First of all, Directive 0619 only gives the prosecutor 14 days. And I think the language is to, to provide an objection to any applicant. I think that's the exact language. I don't have it in front of me. Wait, um, you're asking Directive 467? No, on Directive 0619. Oh, 0619 is right here, and it says, Your attention is called specifically to R1.5-6C, applicable to all courts, which provides the clerk shall file all papers presented to him or her for filing and may notify the person filing if such papers do not conform to these rules. By reason of this rule, a clerk may not refuse to file a paper because in his or her opinion, it does not comply with the prescribed format. All right, perfect. That's one. That's one sixty nine. That's also a McConnell directive. That's yep, from September 8, 1969. Okay, yep. so that court rule. What is that court rule? One five six. I don't have it in front of me. One five six C. Okay. Yes. 
that that rule that the clerk has to file your form is still in rule one five it's not i don't think it's dash six it's in rule one five still though okay and what that means what that means for the people who are upset that their permit is lost in space right their chief said we approved the permit we sent it to the court and the guy's calling the court to find out what's going on with his permit and they're like well we haven't logged it we have a thousand permits that is not what court clerks do court clerk's job is to take those forms and log them that's their job and so put that put put that 169 directive 169 together with directive 619 619 is 619 is incredible right but directive 619 says the court clerk has to give your application a statewide quote unquote standard numbering convention and in that standard numbering convention, they have to put the date at which the application was received from the police department on it. Every which time. They don't do. they, no, absolutely not. I didn't get my statewide numbering convention until the prosecutor sent his brief to the court. They won't give it to you. It's unbelievable. They're not even following their own rules. Uh, because but, it doesn't, because it, does, it would suit us. For them to yeah, follow the well, rules. If it yeah. suit they suited them, then they would follow it to a T. Yeah, I, there's some but political. When, when they're unsurping our rights, it's different. Hey, Sandy, page one of page one of six nineteen. In addition, when a gun permit application or appeal—that means either one, right? So mm -hmm. let's take out or appeal. In addition, when a gun permit application is filed, the court staff must, at a minimum, file the following information. That's in the that's in Directive 619. That just came out with Calstrom not in 2019. Yeah. They mm -hmm. they should be following this. And and so I know you guys don't have an application. Uh what is it? What's the what's the the 2C58-4 app application? SP642, is that it? SP642. Yes. Yeah. Box number 13. Ask for your email address. Well, why in God's name would the application need your email address yeah. unless it was to contact you? Yeah. And so now the court has your application with your email address, but when they log it, they won't send you an email that says, we have received your application from your police department. Your statewide numbering convention is, um, so if it's, if it's Monmouth County, it would be GPMON001, which would be the first one they received that year dash 22 so that's that's how it works and this way if you're an applicant you know where you stand in line right so if you're if you're number 322 dash 22 you're the 322nd application that the court got and you know if they've already gotten through 300 applications you're in the next you're the next 22 to go all right correct let's let's drop the the golden ticket Everybody, everybody's asking, what can I do, okay? And so let's say you've, you've gone and you've taken your qualifications and you've gotten them notarized and you had to get all three of your applications signed with a pen because God forbid you make a copy of that and you turned in your qualifications, your three SP642s, all notarized and what else do you have to oh you're you got a you got a three photographs and your check for fifty dollars which is illegal we can we can get to that um 
everybody says I'm waiting on directions, right? Did you you just said this at the beginning about I, I think it was Monmouth County. It might have been another county. We're waiting Essex. on guidance from the Monmouth uh, and Ocean. Yeah. Essex, Mom, Essex, Essex County. The judges are meeting September 9th to develop a system for processing the permits with okay. guidance. All right. There there already was an attorney general directive in the, in the year 2016. So. The PDF is posted. This one's a big one, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, ahead, this, this, one is, this one is huge. So the directive is, uh, I would call it 4-2016. Uh, he calls it directive number 2016-4. Yeah, it was listed as Attorney General Law Enforcement Directive number 2016-4, dated April 8, 2016, and he was the acting AG, Robert Lugie, under uh, Chris Christie. Go ahead, Jay. Yeah, and so this has nothing to do with Chris Christie's uh, special needs, you know, or whatever Christie was trying to do. This is completely separate from that. So the first, the first paragraph on there, the, the, the PDF that I, that I gave you, Anthony, for you to put up is highlighted. The first sentence explains that the superintendent is the guy that makes the rules for 2C58-4 carry permits. And that's, that's actually written in the statute. The, super, the superintendent makes the application and the rules. So that's why the superintendent is making the rules in the administrative code. But the rules that the superintendent is supposed to be making are only to carry out what's written in that statute. So he can't add things to the statute. That is, that is a critical first sentence in that PDF, that the superintendent is the guy making the rules. Because all of this, while we're waiting on the prosecutor, the prosecutor has no say in this. The prosecutor does not make the rules. It would, the, the way, and we know this from Waxy Gordon, the prosecutor is not designed to be in it. It was designed in the 20s because you could pay off a police chief or you could pay off a judge. And in New Jersey, we were going to use the police chief to check the judge because there was problems in New York with people paying off judges. They seem to think in New Jersey that the judge is higher than mighty and it's the other way around, that the judge is there to, to check the police chief. But that's not what history shows. History shows the police chief is there to check the judge. Anyway. So, Jay, that, real quick, before you get into it, uh, the second paragraph says that it, it's up to the superintendent to develop best practices and standard operating procedures uh, to make sure and ensure that there's appropriate priority is given to applications submitted by applicants who meet the criteria set forth. Now, it's interesting because June 24th, the day after Bruin, it was the superintendent of the state police who said that he was expecting 200,000 applicants and they were working on a digital interface plug-in like the FAR system to make this easier. Now, I know for a fact from the firearm systems, Jay, the, they outsourced the same company that did our FAR system, pistol permits and FID cards. They are working on a digital uh interface which you could just go online and do all this so this lines right up with this 2016 memo where it's the superintendent of the state police's job to get this shit you know streamlined well come on i mean this is 2016 achievement applied yeah. to 2016 cheeseman's case roger's case are sitting in the new in the united states supreme court in 20 in 2018 you're going to tell me that the attorney's general's office is not worried about the cheeseman case he's not worried oh, yeah. about the rogers case oh yeah. and they and they didn't say we better get something going quick because the way we set this system up was we were going to deny every single permit now yeah, yeah. we're going to have thousands of permits but but our 
our answer to this is we're going to cry about it and say there's too many, we can't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So, 2016-4 says the laws and regulations must be applied uniformly through the state. That's what we were just talking about Correct. before. There are counties... That are, that are whipping these things out in two, three weeks. There are police departments that are turning these things around in two or three weeks. Now, I, my son applied the day after Bruin. So my son obviously uh, listens to Gun for Hire every Sunday. He obviously loves when I'm on and spends a little extra time on that. And so... You know, when I get off of 575, he's like, you really think this case is going to win? And I'm like, absolutely. There's no way that you can listen to the oral arguments and think it's going any other way. He actually has his Virginia carry permit already. So he takes his his NRA test and fills out his 2C58-4 application. And the day after Bruin goes and turns it into our police department. He goes, the Army sends him to Fort Knox for some special training. He's at Fort Knox for 30, 40 days, whatever it is. He comes home. He's like, well, did, did, my, did you hear anything about my permit? I'm like, I haven't heard a word, but it's not my permit. It's yours. Call the detective up and find out. He calls the detective, and the detective says, oh, you have to go get another set of fingerprints. Ugh. Right. <laughs> I got to drive my kid. You can't get fingerprints in, at Identico in New Jersey. We no. drive. We spend the whole day. I drive him to Brooklyn. I sit in the truck running, double parked in this street in Brooklyn. He runs into Identico. I, I never know if I'm going to see him again. The, the <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think he can handle himself, yeah. but that's just me. And he's, he's out. He's out. This place, this place was, he told me the guy working in there was a full professional. Didn't say one word of small talk. Went in, grabbed his hand, banged out five on his right hand, banged out five on his left hand, and he was out the door. Um, but the, the interesting point and the reason I tell the story about my own son is that when my son applied, we were applying under the original pre-Bruin New Jersey State Police instructions. So he applies under one set of instructions. And then you guys know that the week after Bruin and the following week, the state police changed those instructions three or four different times. It's like yep. musical chairs, yeah. Right. Well, why? Let, let, let's, let, I'm going to fast forward. Why would the state police want gun for hire customers, 2C58-4 applicants, to go get another set of fingerprints, even though... They already have the original set from the FID card, even though they're allowing you to do an SBI 212A check to purchase a handgun. Why would they want you to get another set of prints? Money? Because Money. Because it's $53. Identigo obviously does not keep all of that money. So nope. one of the interesting things is when you guys first met me, and I don't know what that is, 349 also, uh, I think Mark and I did uh, 488, and so it would be 487. We did the same day. Yep. When we're discussing Mark's case and what, what we're trying to accomplish in our case, which was get rid of the Sicardi rule, I told you guys about a 1991 New Jersey record edition that contained the administrative code and that in 1991, what they did was they violated the Administrative Procedures Act in the 19, early 1970s. They never filed 
the rule in the administrative code. They're supposed to they're, they're supposed to put it in the New Jersey record and they're supposed to file it with the Secretary of State. They didn't do either of those things. There is no such thing as specific threats, previous attacks, and a special need for self uh, self protection in the register or the code or anywhere for that matter, except in McConnell's memo in a, in a filing cabinet. It, it doesn't exist. And so there's a case in 1990 called In Re Priest. These guys were, I think one guy, Gary Klein, one guy was a security guard, one guy was a bail bondsman. And Priest denies their permits. Um, but the following year, when they put the, new, the, the administrative code back together, they sneak the Sicardi rule into the administrative code as precedent in, re, in reprise. And so what's super, super interesting about it, like, like we, don't, we already know from Bruin that that's gone, so we don't care. However, in the administrative code, and it's uh, NJAC 1354-1.4, one point four. It says no one can charge for permits any amount of money except what's in the statute. And so in the statute, what do you have? All you have is twenty dollars for the <laughs> handgun carry permit. That's it, right? That's it. And and that's all they're allowed to charge you. But if you fast forward somehow they snuck it in if you read the administrative code today, and I believe it's 1354.1.4.4. They say you're allowed to use criminal history background checks, criminal history processing background checks. So it's... Um, this is what it reads. It's 1354.2.4e. The completed applications together with two sets of the applicant's fingerprints and fees established by NJAC 1359 in accordance with NJSE, those are the statutes, 53 1-20.5 sick, which means all of them. If you, if you go to that, that NJSA 53 1-20, it tells you in 20.7 that the criminal history record information fund monies shall be used for expenses of the State Bureau identification and for the purchase and equipping of new replacement state police vehicles. Anthony. Buying them cars. Buying them cars. Follow yep. the money. That's how they're getting their new cars. Anthony, what does the I in Nick's stand for? Instant. Instant. <laughs> Not so you own instant. a gun. You Not own a so gun store. Instant. Are you selling guns instantly? Seven to ten day wait right now with the Knicks because the state police is the buffer, the illegal sixteen dollar buffer in the middle. Yep. Right. They are not funding the system and putting people working there. There's no one. They don't have enough people to process all the permits. They set the system up, but they don't want to hire anybody. Think about how many guns you sell and then take all the other gun stores in New Jersey that are selling guns, right? Yep. Take that $16 and multiply that <laughs> yeah, every exactly. single day. Do you know how many processors they could hire? They could hire hundreds of processors and give them all pensions for the next hundred years with this money. But they don't because they're, they're stealing it 
to buy state police cars. Is that the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard? So when I talk about the fees, like that $50 application fee, that's a joke. The state police jammed that in there when, when they were just doing security guard permits because they knew the security guards aren't going aren't gonna to make a stink over $30. There's not going to be a court case. They're going to make an extra $30 on handgun permits through beating up on security guards. But it's, it's illegal, and that's the problem. There is no standards. So let's move on. Let's, let's, go, let's go back to this 2016-4. The other thing is, and this is people on Syndicate are killing me. They really are dying to see that. The page two, first paragraph, in sum, permit applications that meet all the statutory and regulatory standards should be approved as expeditiously as practicable, practicable so that the applicants properly can exercise their lawful rights under New Jersey law and regulations to acquire and or carry a firearm. My guys, my police department, is not actually calling the prosecutor. That's not what I took out of my meeting. I went down and had a meeting with him about why my son's permit wasn't ready and at the, at the Superior Court. It seems to me like the prosecutors are inserting themselves into the process. And the mm -hmm. prosecutors are calling them up and telling them they've got to do this, they've got to do that. They have to have hard copies of the letters from your references. You know, all of these things that they're doing. Um, it seems like the prosecutor's getting involved. So if I'm an applicant now, which I'm not, but if I was, I would print, I would go on, I would go on Anthony's, Anthony's uh, website and download 2016-4 and I would highlight page two, the first, the first sentence and say, listen, you guys, I understand that you're allowed to have 60 days understand that that 60 days was from 1924 when they didn't have electric stuff to figure out you know if i was a bad guy or not they were waiting on snail mail letters of references right exactly knocking on doors right right carrying a little pad like a little three by five yeah. pad with a with a with a wire ring on the top taking notes um but today all they have to do is look do you have a firearms id card yes what's the sbi number Run the SBI number. The guy's clean. Send it to the send it to the superior court. And the superior court judge. I mean, these guys are crying for guidance. I'm giving them guidance right now. You're you're doing too much work. If the person has the FID card and the guy turned in as proof, the state police are asking for proof of ownership of the gun that you qualified with, right? Yep. One of the things that you can give them is a copy of your pink sheet for the permit to purchase. So if you give them a copy of the pink sheet, not, the only have, number on it. not only have you been vetted, but that gun is yep. proven to be a legally purchased handgun. Yep. There is no more reason for them to be doing in any investigating. There is no reason to send this thing to a prosecutor. You already have the gun, for heaven's sakes. If you want to commit a crime, why would you apply for a carry permit? You can just go do it. <laughs> Makes perfect sense, right? And so, if I'm a judge and I'm like, "This is too much work. I don't want to do it. Go stick this on. Go stick this on the top of a filing cabinet, and let's let's talk about it next month." Why not just start rubber stamping the approvals? It's not you're not being held responsible for issuing the permit. So that takes us to another another very important aspect of what the judge is doing. We we've had this discussion on syndicate before. John Ray, who was John Gillard, right? 
Yes. John Gillard just got his permit, and God bless this guy. Uh, he has literally been sweating every day since 2016 for his permit. John Gillard, if you guys remember when he was on the show, uh, actually had justifiable need. He had a legit yep. justifiable yeah, need. 100%. 100%. Okay? Like, my justifiable need, the reason I applied, the reason I applied in 2006, other than the fact that I just thought it would be cool, was... I had my own business, and a lot of times when I would charge people fifty or sixty thousand dollars, you know, I would get that "what if I give you cash" thing, and I would end up with a trash bag filled with cash, and I would always feel awkward carrying, you know, a full-size garbage bag of cash. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I never wrote that. By the way, I never wrote that down um, in my application. No. <laughs> my original application was. My original application was. I didn't. I did not write that down for tax purposes. I always had to deposit it because I just didn't make that kind of money. But I wrote that down. Uh, I wrote down in 2006. It was my constitutional right. That was my original argument, and my argument in 2020 was it was my constitutional right in both of them. That's why. That's why this case, the CAJFO factor case with Jensen, is a perfect case because. It's purely constitutional. There is no, I carry diamonds. I'm a, there is no, I'm right, a doctor right, right, carrying, right? right? Yep. It's a perfect constitutional case. If you, read, if you read the appeals court decision, they really shot themselves in the foot, pun intended. They, they said, uh, factor is not disqual disqualified at all under, the, under 2C58-3, and he's thoroughly familiar with handguns. The only problem is he doesn't have justifiable need. They, they took them, it took them six pages to say that, but that's what they said. And so the case now is, why did you guys hold me up for two years? Why are the court clerks playing around with permit applications? Why are you not giving me the state the standard numbering, numbering convention? Why are you banging me for $50 for something that's supposed to be free? So really what Jensen has done, and it's brilliant, and, and, David, and David was... David was kind of, this was kind of a negotiation that David and I had early on. He, he didn't want to take my case so I could get a permit. That would be stupid, right? He, he took my case so we could give the judges the option to get out. And what I mean by that is, and it'll tie back together with, with what the judges are, the judges admitted in Sicardi and Priest that they weren't acting in a judicial capacity. And I think non-judicial capacity in quotes is actually in Sicardi. Priest went so far to say it's an executive function that should be handled administratively. What that means is when you go to the county court to get your permit, you're not technically getting it from the judiciary. You're getting it from an administrative agent. The judge just happens to be the administrative agent. But what that means is when we talk about permanent applications should be expedited, that applies to this guy now too. He's working as an administrative agent on these permits. He's not working as a judge. He doesn't need any guidance right. from the attorney general. Mm -hmm. He doesn't need any guidance from the Supreme Court. Correct. They're, this is a, this, they're just trying to delay this. And, and I don't know why, because well, I'm, I'm hearing some of these counties well, we have We know a why. Yeah, but what's going to happen... What's gonna happen so obviously, like you, you, you brought up Dan earlier, what's going to happen when one of these lawyers wins one of these cases? What's going to happen if the Supreme Court reads my case and they're like, well, we don't like factor at all. 
he's been a thorn in our side since 2006. However, the guy makes a brilliant argument. We can't deny permits if the guy has an FID card, so what are we really doing? There's nothing left for us to do. I'm just going to tell you guys, if you, if you go back and read Bruin, I think the, the whole, that whole sentence about good character is gone in 2C58-4. The judge is, not, is no longer allowed to determine your good character. Yeah. I think the references are gone. I think that they can't decide this based on your references. Either you're qualified under 2C58-3 or, or not. not. Yeah. Or you're not. The references, I, I think, are going to gonna go, right? Yeah. Those are out. So what are people getting? What, what's the big hang-up now? The big hang-up now is limited-type permits. Is that what you is that what you guys yeah. are hearing? Yeah, uh, Ocean County and Monmouth County. Okay, yeah, right now Ocean and Monmouth. Everybody else, the only limit they're listing is the guns you qualified with on the back, and you see the disparity. Bergen County, the judge is not requesting to see you unless he is going to have questions or deny you. Passaic County, the judge is following the old procedure and seeing you and signing the permits off in front of you. And he's a record. Judge Capicello right now holds the record. He's been processing hundreds and hundreds of permits in Passaic County, which, again, you talk about Patterson in the 60s denying permits. Now we've gone 60 years later. Yeah. Patterson is the leader in approving permits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, actually, I don't know if you guys remember the last time I was on the show, but when I told you that uh, in 1924 that the, that the the carry permit law was actually illegal, the the version that came out of the uh, the assembly and then had 25 Senate amendments, that's not the, the the amendments. The version with the 25 amendments is not the version that went to the governor. That's not what was signed by the governor, and that they came out and said the 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 handgun carry law is illegal because it wasn't signed by the gov. The proper version wasn't signed by the governor. Yes. You yep. remember that? Yep. Yes. It, it was judge black in, in Passaic, who was the guy who said, I'm going to take a look at this, but I'm going on vacation to Italy. And, <laughs> and then when he came back from Italy, they never looked at it. So that's another, that's a whole nother thing. Like if the Supreme court, New Jersey Supreme court wants to, they could easily say, you know what, the 24 carry permit law was illegal, and as such, we're kicking it back to the legislature, and they're going to have to incorporate that thing into 2C58-3, that it's going to be an uh, amendment to the FID card. And it's that, it's that simple. There's a case, it's called Inri Jagel, J-A-E-G-L-E, Inri Jagel. It's a 1920s case. But that case in New Jersey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I'm going to read this because I have the note. I do show prep. He nice. Henry Jagel held that as, a, as the amended bill was adopted by both houses, has never received the approval of the governor. And as the bill to which the governor's signature was attached was not the act which, in point of fact, was passed into a law by the legislature, neither the one nor the other has become a part of the statute law of this state. The Supreme Court could, could take my case and go, the 24 law was illegal. We never had a carry permit law. Kick it back to the legislature. Tell them to redo it. And we don't want to sign off on permits anymore. If you qualify for the 2C58-3 FID card and you turn in your, and you turn in your qualifications, you're, you're qualified to get the permit. And that's that. That's, that's where I think it's going. I think it's... So, Anthony, when you spoke at the beginning of the show about the FAR system... Yes. Do you know... Um, how you can 
you can upload your FID card or you can upload your driver's license for, for firearm stuff now to mm-hmm. other places. Like if I, if I wasn't a good gun for hire customer and I wanted to buy my ammo online from somewhere, they would make me as a New Jersey resident, send them a copy of my FID card. Yes. If, if, if I'm not mistaken, if someone walks in to buy ammo, pistol ammo from gun for hire, they have to show their FID card. Is that correct? Correct. And pretty soon we're going to have to report all ammunition. They have like 270 days from that uh, June uh, bill that Murphy signed into law. And if somebody comes in and buys over 2,000 rounds of ammunition, we send an immediate alert to the state police that we had somebody come in. Five you know, bricks and, at 22. And, and buy, uh, yeah, 2,000 <laughs> apparently, rounds of ammunition. Apparently then the, the, those guys aren't listening to your show because we spoke, we spoke one time on like 448 about John Langdon stealing the cannon and the hundred barrels of gunpowder from <laughs> Fort William and Mary, right? And and yep. and we know why he did that, right? He did it That's because right. the government, the the Lord Lord Dartmouth, sent out a circular letter to all the governors saying that no one was allowed to have gunpowder, lead, or or weapons without a license from the king or his privy council. And Paul Revere rides sixty six miles down from Boston to tell the New Hampshire guys about this letter and they get so mad they go and rob the king's fort and steal all the cannon and and yet we're going to have to log ammunition purchases meanwhile the founders Alexander Hamilton robbed the battery in New York you know how Washington found them Hamilton was the only guy who had cannon because he stole them from the king yeah but we're going to log ammunition purchases you you talk about brewing at the time of the founding right you remember we were talking about the Committee of Eleven, the guys who put together Article One, Section Eight. There's another guy yes. we were talking about, Charles Co- Coatsworth Pinckney. Two days after Lexington and Concord, Pinckney and his buddies. These guys are in their twenties. One of his buddies is the nephew of Bull. Bull is the royal governor of South Carolina. One of his nephews gets the keys to the royal armory. These twenty-year-old kids get together in three separate groups in South Carolina and raid three separate royal armories at the same time. And C.C. Pinckney goes in in the middle of the night and steals like 112 stands of arms. A stand of arms is a dozen rifles, a dozen muskets. Steals all their gunpowder, all their lead, all their cartouche boxes. I, I think it's like something like 250 swords he steals. <laughs> Do you know who he takes him to? He takes him to Gadsden, the guy on the yellow flag that says with yeah. the rap. He he get everybody takes their stuff to him. That guy owns barges, and they stick them all on the barge, and they go hide them from the government. But this is the guy who puts together Article One, Section Eight, the arming clause, it's Clause Sixteen, the militia clause. He stole weapons and ammunition from the government and you're going to turn around now and the government's going to go well if you if you sell more than 100 rounds you're going to have to log this that doesn't meet the there's no way that flies under Bruin no way nope right we we know all of this and it's all going to tumble again it takes some time our mag case just got knocked down to the lower court so you know we're going to have some activist judges here but I want to go full circle here because uh 
And Jay, we'll have you on again, obviously, in, in a few weeks. But And Sandy, i got to do housekeeping later. Yeah. But So, you know, to guilt you people listening to the show, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands listen to the show. We post it everywhere. 5,000 members on the Firearms Syndicate, other 2A pages. And we've raised uh, $4,800, and CNJFO is matching that up to $5,000. And we got Jay, who volunteers all of his time, has been going through this crap since 2006, is an encyclopedic uh, gentleman here with anything 2A with New Jersey and going back to uh, Northampton. And I want to talk about his three PDFs are chock full of knowledge that you can print or send to your departments that are usurping your rights. So he's giving you this information. And all you have to do is go to cnjfo.com and click donate and donate some money, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, like James Lakey said, $50. Donate something. You'll, you'll go to the gun store, and I'm knocking myself here because I have a gun store. You'll go to the gun store and you'll buy ammo and you'll buy dots and red dots and, and you'll buy uh, you know range time or whatever. How about donating a little money? Let's pay it forward here. You know, we have FPC, SAF, uh, NJ2AS, CNJFO, ANJRPC, NRA, David Jensen, Dan Schmutter, uh, Evan Knappen, Scott Bach. There is so much going on, ladies and gentlemen. And we have this guy on the show. He's completely accessible. He's always answering all of your questions on the uh, Facebook pages and everything. God damn it. Open your wallets this Sunday. Let's see a nice peek uh, in donations here. It it's is because of people like do. this that you're able to go to the gun store and make a purchase. You know, he's when I get this from these people, when they say, well, you know, well, Dan Schmutter wants to contact my police department, but he wants to use my name. I'm reluctant. You know, <laughs> oh my God. I, oh, believe me, Jay. I get this all the time. And I'm like, if not now, when? If right. not who us enough already we have the Bruin decision enough of this already you want to shy around you want to beat around the bush put your name on the damn list your name is on every other list already anyway just do it but now let's go donate you cheap bastards and I know I'm speaking to the choir the same people it's always the same people again and uh, and John Jillard got his permit he had sent me a message last week Sandy about an hour after we taped the show we had taped the show early because Dan Schmutter uh, had to release uh, Jay about the 15-round uh, mag case being remanded down to the lower courts. By the way, Dan feels confident that when we win the mag case, it, we will not be limited to 15 rounds. No way. We Absolutely will, not. There's no correct. way. That, we will not no be way. limited. Post-Bruin, we will not be limited to 15 rounds, ladies and gentlemen. So you see how many moving parts we have here. Jay is going to come on. Every couple of weeks, update on his case with Jensen. He's also been getting given up to, uh, other updates in different counties, Mammoth, Ocean, whatever we need from him. Send him the emails. He'll answer them online. But I need you to go to cnjfo.com and, God damn it, hit the donate page and get some more money to this case. I want to see Rosie and Jack Pyle and Teresa and all of them carrying this big, huge check, <laughs> all right, for the fundraiser. Now, the D.C. Project is having a fundraiser as well. Uh, and Teresa is pretty much hosting this with CNJFO. They're doing a gun rights uh, uh, fundraiser, and they're going to have uh, some lower-level uh, speakers like Senator Dare, Mark Cheeseman, Senator Testa, Kelly Pigeon, and many, many more. But they're going to have an A-lister there. Jay Factor is going to be speaking at this D.C. project as well. Look at that. And Jay, what are you getting paid to drive down there and speak at this event? 
As we've discussed before, I've never taken a dollar. All right. This. He's volunteering. If he's lucky, he'll get a couple of hors d'oeuvres and maybe a Diet Coke. <laughs> maybe All right. a Diet Coke. I will be in Florida that week. It is Saturday, October 2nd. It's 2 to 6 p.m. It's going to be in Mays Landing. It is a whopping $50. They're going to have silent auction, see, light fare and soft drinks. Jay, you're going to get two uh, little uh, spinach canopies, puffs yeah. and uh, canopies <laughs> and a Diet Coke. Hopefully, by the time you're done speaking, there'll be some ice left. All right? Very easy to find. It's also on the CNJFO website. Or you can go to dcproject.info. dcproject.info. Info. So, Sandy, you want me to do housekeeping and then we'll have Jay close it? Yep, we do. Support those who support you, ladies and gentlemen. I talk about this all the time. I have people coming into the range, Jay, from 60, 90, 120 miles away. I listen to your show. I see your post. I signed up to do my qualification at another range, and what you say rings true. Support those who support you. I don't see anybody else doing what you're doing, Anthony. So I drove 160 miles to your range to qualify. That's what it's supposed to be. Yes. Now donate 10 bucks to the... The, the legal defense for the Jensen case with uh, J Factor. So we got Marty's V-Burger. Marty donates all the time. Marty'sVBurger.com. Please go and check him out. If you're in the city, if not, go online. Marty'sVBurger.com. If you're in New Jersey, get U.S. Law Shield. No, it is not insurance, okay? It is a legal defense fund. Use code word gun for hire Get a 10% discount. Uh, if you're in New York, NY TAC Defense. NY TAC Defense, same thing for New York. Use Gun for Hire, one word for a discount. Brochures for CNJFO, New York TAC Defense, and uh, U.S. Law Shield are at my range. They're in every one of the windows looking into the ranges. There's brochures everywhere. Decoding Firearms, John Petrolino. John has interviewed Jay a few times. His book is available on Amazon. It's available here at Gun for Hire, and it's also uh, Kindle. Evan Knappen, the Gun Lawyer Podcast, exposing the truth about the laws designed to strip you of your freedoms. Okay, check him out. The Quarantine Crawl, 370 Pro 2A businesses. Support those who support you, quarantinecrawl.com. My doctor, Optimal Health Wellness NJ, Optimal Health Wellness NJ, concierge medicine for a few hundred dollars a month. You and your family have access 24-7 to a professional doctor who will have no more than 250 patients. Lake Island Rifle and Pistol Club, L-A-K-E-I-S dot org. Lake Island Rifle and Pistol Club in Carteret, New Jersey, is looking for junior rifle members between 12 and 18 years old to learn firearm safety and compete in small bore and air rifle competitions. If you're in Scotch Plains, go to Park Ave to Zen Float Center. Sharon Decker will uh, hook you up. If you're down where Sandy lives with banjos and stuff, Cross <laughs> Roads Kitchen, K-R-O-S-S-R-O-A-D-S, kitchen.com, or just J-U-S-T-S-H-O-N-S.com. Sandy's uh, sponsors are all food, by the way. Just putting that out there. <laughs> <laughs> Just put that Mor out there. Yes. Mortgage Unlimited is a family-owned, operated mortgage, uh, a re regional mortgage banker making loans for more than 35 years. George T. at MortgageUnlimited.com. 
if you want to donate, again, on top of the factor case, Guiding Range, G-U-I-D-I-N-G-R-E-I-N-S dot org, equine therapy, especially for our veterans. Of course, I'm going to close it with the DC Project, which is dcproject.info, and I'm going to talk again, cnjfo.com. Very important. The link above has all three PDFs that Jay has spent countless hours of his life that he will never get back, that you can take these and forward to the authorities, the police, the courts, the clerk, anybody, and show them that they are violating our civil rights and our right to do process. Jay, how would you like to say goodbye before Sandy does the wrap-up? Corporal. 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 <laughs> Taylor Ham. That's great. Can't thank you enough. Sandy, wrap it up. Well, looks like you've done it again. You've wasted yet another perfectly good hour. There we go. Can't even talk today. Uh, Listening to Gun for Hire Radio. Gun for Hire Radio is a kinetic media production. The music used in this broadcast is managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. On behalf of our show host, Master Trainer Anthony Calandro, author of Crime Proof, Think Like a Criminal and Beat Them at Their Own Game, he forgot to mention, is available at the uh, range and at the gun store. So when you're purchasing ammunition and have it recorded, he can also sign your book. Jay, thank you so very much for everything that you do. And listen, please, seriously, this guy does everything for free. He is absolutely a powerhouse of information and a powerhouse behind the Second Amendment movement in New Jersey. Please help him out. A $10 check is nothing. Send it to the CNJFO. Please donate. Thank you very much. From the beautiful foothills of the Carolinas and the Second Amendment twilight zone that is New Jersey, we love you guys. God willing, Jesus tarries and the batteries hold out. We will see you again next week. And I'm going to Carolina.